0: And welcome to the Dr. Linda mental show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor. And I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad you've joined us.
1: All right, Dr. Linda, let's arm wrestle.
0: Arm Oh my gosh.
1: Let's do it. I don't. You would know
0: you would beat me if we hey, did You that.
1: never know until you try. I
0: have no strength in my well, arms. I we, think a child could beat me at arm it, It's
1: on right now. Here we go. Oh
0: gosh. <laughs> Well, they can't see it. They're going to have to look at Instagram to see right, this yeah. famous arm wrestling challenge that we just did, right? So, are you a really competitive person, Chris? A, a
1: little bit, yeah. Especially a little, when,
0: or are you competitive?
1: <laughs> well, based on that intro, it sounds like I would be very competitive. It did but, sound uh, like that. Here's an example: when it comes time to play cards, there's one faction in the family that says, "Let's just have a good time," yeah. and then the, there's the other faction says, "No." We are going to win, and we are going to beat you really bad. That's the side I'm on.
0: That's the side you're on. Well, right? we have that same thing in our family. In mm. fact, cards are like you would think we're like competing for <laughs> the World Cup or something. You know, right. it's just like it's like you've got to get this winning, or you're it, there's something wrong. And people yell at each other, mm. and they get really upset when they don't do well.
1: A friend of mine, Monopoly ended up on the floor. It was a complete nightmare. The entire family didn't speak for I think it was three or four days after this Monopoly game.
0: Yeah, we're really cutthroat in our family, too. (laughs) So here's the thing. I married another person who's competitive as well. So I kept it in the family. So Mm. there you go. Listen, I got to tell you one time, Norm and I were the only time in our life we were on a doubles team in tennis. mm. The only time it was mixed doubles. It was a competitive league. Right. He was yelling at me so many times, like I would be the net and he would be back. He's
1: Mm -hmm. constantly
0: yelling at me what to do. I got so (laughs) upset. I just walked off the court and that was it. I never had him as a doubles partner again. (laughs) So we don't do real well together when it comes to competition.
1: Well, General George Patton once observed that America loves winners and hates losers. We seem to be very competitive by nature and crave competition.
0: Especially if you base it on our two stories, right? sounds, sounds
1: like it, yeah, really.
0: But I do I do believe that competition lies at the heart of what has driven our country to be so great, don't you think?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it is.
0: we are competitive, and whether it's the space race, the arms race, the human genome race, right. or the rat race, <laughs> we like to be first, don't we?
1: And in arm wrestling, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: although I'll never win that one. Well,
1: competition has pushed us to win things like the Olympics, lots of gold medals, uh, have top universities, and be the financial center of the world.
0: It's also led us, I think, in the areas of technology and mm-hmm. innovation and medical breakthroughs. Right. Actually, Americans have dominated the Nobel Prize Awards. About 40% of those goes to the good old USA. Did you know that?
1: No, but it's like mediocrity doesn't work around here. You right. know? We have to win at all costs. That's and right. look at our interest in competitive reality TV shows uh, like Survivor. The Voice, America's Got Talent. Do you watch those?
0: I, I watch the singing ones, but yeah. I don't get it. Do you watch Survivor, any of those shows? No. <laughs> you don't? Uh,
1: the singing shows are good until it, it seems like they get more gimmicky as the show goes yeah. on. So I, I well, they're
0: formalized. You know, it's kind of right. like you know what's going to happen on there. But a lot of people like those
1: shows. Mm-hmm. They do, yeah. It's fun to watch people win. And, and honestly, it's fun to watch them lose, too.
0: So I think what's behind that is that you're sort of living vicariously through mm. the winners. right? And then when you watch people lose, like on The Bachelorette or something, you watch people lose, <laughs> you can kind of vicariously get into that, but you really mm. don't have to experience it then firsthand. Right. So maybe that's one of the reasons like why we like to watch that.
1: Right. And it's fun to watch someone's success, too. I mean, they go in and win that's big. That's true. It's, it's fun to see, too. So while we know competition has led America to lead the world, like we said a minute ago, it seems like competition has become, when it comes to kids, almost a, a dirty word.
0: I know. It's really sad what we've done to competition, I think, in our culture, it seems like there's all this pressure on kids so what a lot of parents will say is i don't want competition there's too much pressure mm. it gives our kids stress it leaves them feeling disappointed like they don't measure up so in right. order to shield our kids from that a lot of parents feel like well let's just get rid of all that competition and just declare everybody a winner
1: right it doesn't sound like a good idea either
0: well what do you, i mean really have you done that with your kids at all
1: no in their age group, this day and age, you know everyone gets the trophy. yeah, everyone yeah. wins the game. And uh, I don't think it's a good idea. I, I don't think it's working out the way they wanted it to.
0: I think that's because we have to have a little bit of healthy competition to sort right. of push ourselves. But I can see when it, if it, people go overboard with it, and especially with kids, I can see how that might hurt a relationship. It might be a problem. But I do think, Chris, that we've really overreacted to this issue in our culture.
1: Well, let's talk more about that. What has made us so uh, sensitive to competition?
0: Well, first of all, we need to acknowledge that competitive feelings are kind of natural. I mean, do you know of any child that never has a competitive feeling?
1: It's rare to see someone who doesn't, yeah.
0: So it's natural. It's not something you can really avoid, but it's what you do with those feelings that counts. So they can become ugly. They can encourage greed. So people get real competitive with buying and I don't know if you've ever bid on a house or a car or an yes. item that you've really wanted.
1: It becomes personal.
0: Yeah, it can be kind of can be kind of negative, right? Right. And then there's envy that comes up, even narcissism with some of that stuff when you're really getting competitive. So we have seen the ugly side of competition when people are really into being cutthroat and they want to
1: win. So, it's like Black Friday.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't
1: think they necessarily want the TV. They just want to get, in the game. get the TV first yeah. <laughs> or
0: get in that game. I know right. I, I refuse to do that. When, we, when <laughs> we, I think we talked about that one time as on a show that I did it one time and I'll never do it again. <laughs> but I, I want to say this story about my son. So he was playing soccer in the Chicago area when we lived up there. And the parents were really – I mean, they were pretty overboard, I have mm. to say. They were screaming at kids, yelling at kids, yelling at the refs. You would have thought – now, this is where using the, the analogy of the World Cup would really make sense rather right. than cards like I did a little bit ago. <laughs> but the, you would have thought there was such high stakes involved in this. And so what they ended up doing, we were just in this little recreational – it wasn't a big deal. Mm. But they made us all watch the game, and nobody could react. And all we could do is when a child got a goal, we could just clap nicely. And that was it. Nobody could talk.
1: Like a golf match. (laughs) Well, why were the parents so worked up to begin with?
0: Okay, so I was watching, and the parents were, like, covering their eyes. They couldn't watch. They were so stressed out watching their kids compete. So in Ah. many cases, I really think it's the parents Mm, who want to win. And it's their identity that's kind of mixed up with their kids. It's more about their kids being a reflection of who they are. So. I think as spectators, parents can seek that kind of confirmation even really early on. They they want their kid to be the best, to win a spot, to get a scholarship, to do whatever they need to do. And, you know, when you talk to the kids, they just say, hey, just want, we just want to get pizza after the game.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I re- remember Little League. And the parents – were worse than the kids. So there you go. We were in the dugout saying, hey, you know, good game. But the parents are are they're, they're the ones who are worked up about it. Does it have to do with the motivation of a person's heart, especially in the case of the parents? I mean, if your goal is to obliterate your competition and destroy them, uh, maybe you're going a little too far.
0: I, I think that's exactly the point is you do have to look at what are you motivated to do. And as we We talk a little bit later in the show about healthy competition. We're going to look at that in terms of what is the point of competition? What are the benefits of that? What are the key factors that we want to talk about? And the same is true in our adult relationships. If you have to win in your relationship with your wife every single time you have an argument, you're going to be in trouble. That competitive style, especially with conflict,
1: just doesn't work. I never win those arguments, so <laughs>
0: did you try wouldn 't know you will
1: know? <laughs> well, you talk about this in your book, we need to talk how a competitive style of dealing with conflict can hurt a relationship if we always want to win an argument to get our way, we can be difficult in relationships, not just on the athletic surface.
0: That's right. So one of the fallouts of that whole thing is that we can become cynical if we keep trying to win all the time. And cynicism arises when we won't accept our competitive feelings simply for what they are and then manage them. So let me just give you a quick example. If you have a boss and he acknowledges a coworker in a meeting, you might think, wait, I want that recognition. I work just as hard. I'm just as worthy as that guy is of praise. And we may turn against the coworker and we might Mm. even think, wow, what a kiss up. He doesn't even deserve this. He's barely competent. Why am I even trying at this company when a slacker like that? Now, that's cynicism Mm. playing out in a really bad way. So I think we need to think about what creeps in when we start to feel really highly competitive.
1: As we talk about the workplace, uh, what about gossip? Could that be a negative form of competition as well?
0: I think when we deny our competitive feelings, we can slowly start to see those around us in some kind of a negative way. And gossip is a way that we attempt to release or relieve our anger or that cynicism I just talked about. So instead of feeling competitive with the very accomplished person who is maybe friendly and confident, you know, we might comment on some flaw or refer to them as phony. We might even gossip about them close up and say, you know, that they're one way to our face. And then we turn around and we say something negative to About them. So I think we have to be careful because a lot of times those gossip feelings are really rooted in jealousy. Instead of building a case against someone, we really need to look at our attitude and figure out a healthier way to deal with those feelings.
1: Well, cynicism, jealousy, and gossip are the dark side of not handling competition well. And when we come back from the short break, let's talk about the benefits of healthy competition and why it can be a good thing if handled well. Stay with us. More to come on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold.
1: Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Show. And before we get back to our discussion on healthy competition... I want to remind you that Dr. Linda Blogs Weekly has a free monthly e-newsletter and keeps you aware of all things about relationships on her website, DrLindaMental.com. Follow her on social media as well on Twitter at helps and more. Dr. Linda, we're talking about competition today, and you still won't take me up on that arm wrestling competition I wanted to get into earlier. trying
0: to twist my arm.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about the uh, healthy side of competition.
0: So the message is that you do want to constantly improve yourself, right? You don't want to just sit back. So being successful, trying to push yourself is a good thing. So let's think about it. You know, there's this very permanent record that's created by social media on the Internet, right? And then there's this hyper-competitive college process. When you think about it, kids today, because of all the social media and the Internet, they really have very few places in their Mm. lives where they can fail safely, Right. I think they need places to fail safely and to learn.
1: That's the problem with the internet is it's everyone can see everything.
0: I know, and then you you can be shamed and humiliated mm-hmm. right. on that and it doesn't feel safe.
1: The thing is wanting to win is human. I mean we always it always feels better than losing.
0: That's true. So our job as parents isn't to teach our kids that you always have to win, but it would be better to teach them what it feels like when you win and when you lose and then equip them to deal with how to handle those feelings.
1: See, this is why allowing kids to win every time or get a trophy at the end of the ball game, like I mentioned earlier, uh, it hasn't been helpful.
0: I don't think it has. It really has ended up giving kids a sense of entitlement. And Mm. we've done some shows on that um, in the past. And we're seeing this now, especially on our college campuses, when kids don't always win. They feel bad, yes, but they are having to learn from those low moments if they're given a chance to actually lose. Right. And so that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing the value of this in today's culture. And boy, I'm seeing it even with very bright students who are in medical school,
1: Hmm, that they come
0: very ill-equipped to deal with not getting the highest grade or failing at something.
1: So you're saying that we are robbing children of that feeling of ultimate success and accomplishment after hard work when they win the overall competition when every participant receives some sort of award.
0: I mean, do you think that? Do you oh, feel yeah. really great? Right. If you're just doing something and everybody gets the same reward.
1: I didn't realize it when I was young. I got to be about 11 years old and saw all of these uh, participation trophies. Yeah. I thought, these don't mean anything.
0: I know. And I remember when our kids were swimming and they were on a swim team and mm-hmm. they would get ribbons. I know our right. producer, my husband's in there, and they they would get like a A ribbon for like 30th place. (laughs) And the kids would just look at that and go, this means nothing to me. Right, yeah, come on. So I think we really, we have really robbed them of that and they need to experience that.
1: Do you think child development experts talk about how a little healthy competition can be good for kids?
0: They do, and there is a connection with what happens later in your life because you're not going to always get that big promotion. You're not going to always win on the job, and you're not going to always be able to do exactly what you want to do. Mm. And so if you taught that more as a child, it's going to carry over into your adult life. And actually, it has a lot to do with things that – have to do with working on teams and taking turns, developing empathy even, and being tenacious in mm-hmm. life.
1: So you know, you know I've got a 2-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 10-year-old at home. Right. At what point do you begin to introduce them to a, a sense of competition?
0: Well, your 2-year-old Matthew is a little too young. Okay. Yeah, he right, c- come on, <laughs> so,
1: let's go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what the experts say is really children under 5 don't really understand rules. Hmm. I mean, Matthew would not be able to do a competitive sport game at the age of two, right? Right, yeah. So they don't understand that, so it doesn't make sense to focus on competition with them. But as they move more through the elementary school... Uh, years, then games with rules become increasingly important, and that's part of their play. That's part of what they need to learn.
1: That's why he's so bad at phase ten because <laughs> he's he's too young.
0: But your he's oldest old. daughter, boy, she told me she's really good oh, at yeah. that. Oh yeah, she'll, t- she'll
1: <laughs> take you on in a heartbeat. That's she's
0: right. uh, taking after her competitive dad, I think. <laughs> well, here's a really interesting story from a, a child in the elementary uh, school age group. It would, he was asked, "What will happen after the game if you win?" He said, oh, "I'd shake hands with the other players, then I'd go find my parents." They'd say, congratulations, then we'd all go out for lunch. And then the interviewer asked him, well, what would happen after the game if you lose? Thought about it. He said, yeah, we'd shake hands with the other players, go find my parents. They would tell me, nice try. Then we'd all go out for lunch. (laughs) So he was asked to figure out how long the winning or the losing lasts. Isn't that an interesting question? Huh, yeah. So he said about five minutes. The game, on the other hand, he said, typically goes for about 45 minutes. So it makes much more sense to focus on the game, on playing well, trying hard, Mm -hmm. and having fun playing that sport that he enjoys, rather than that brief time where the outcome means something. Right. I thought that was kind of interesting from a kid's point of view.
1: Did they say how old he is? No, they didn't.
0: Elementary school is all it said in the story.
1: Right. Well, doesn't competition teach a a person or a child or even an adult to uh, work hard and, and stick with it?
0: Yeah, and that's the issue here is that if you engage in competition, you're going to earn critical social skills. You're going to do better interacting with other children because you have to learn, you know, well, I'm going ahead of them, but is it okay? Yes, it's okay. That kid is behind me. I can't really feel sorry for him. I have to keep moving forward, or I should feel sorry for him. Kids have to deal with all that while they're learning the value of hard work. And this is part of what helps them develop self-esteem and what we call self-efficacy, which just means doing things for themselves and mastering it.
1: Well, learning to be a a team player is such an important life skill.
0: Did you? Were you on teams? Oh, yeah. So I'm not saying that every child has to be somebody who plays on teams, but the benefit of that is it teaches cooperation, And it teaches kids to problem solve as a team. So with other people, boy, can't you think about that as a life skill for adulthood Mm. when you're in a job? Working for the common good of the the other children, that's a really good skill to develop. The key is to ensure that the atmosphere promotes constructive competition.
1: What do we look for in our children to uh, make sure that they are involved in, in healthy competition?
0: If you ask them to participate in the activity, I don't know if you've ever done with your two older girls, but mm-hmm. if you say, do you want to do that again? If they say to you, yeah, I want to try that again, that probably means the atmosphere is fairly healthy. Mm. But if you have a child who's trying to get out of it, who's trying to fake illness maybe to avoid the activity or the game, or they're even kind of getting anxious and showing some signs of being sad or really depressed about it, I would say check out the atmosphere of the competition they're in and see if there's anything unhealthy.
1: So, Dr. Linda, I'm asking you all of these questions, and I hope I don't get a bill afterward. (laughs) Um, They're good questions. What should the parent's job be when it comes to competition?
0: Okay, so it's not our job to make our kids winners every single time. But again, we have to foster that safe environment where they can compete, they can achieve an end result, whether it be a win or a loss. And then we want to help them proceed in that competition, but we want to help them also process the win or the loss and learn from it. How do they handle those feelings? I think it's really important for kids to handle loss well. and to practice that skill. So we've got to prepare them sometimes for tears, for disappointments. Even some kids get really angry when they don't win, and we have to help them calm that down and make sure they're behaving appropriately, handle all those emotions that are involved in order to help them learn and to grow.
1: So you're saying there is a benefit to learning how to lose. I think so. Yeah, I can see that because we do lose in life from time to time. We don't get the promotion or win at everything we do. And we need to be able to handle that.
0: Here's the thing about losing. It teaches us humility. And it also teaches us self-reflection. It pushes us to look for ways to improve ourselves. So as a parent, I would say be supportive to your kids through their challenges. Reinforce the message that it's okay to lose as long as they're putting forth effort and they're learning from the experience.
1: Well, it sounds like good lessons for adults as well. And we need to take a short break. But there is more to come as we talk about the benefits of competition on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: What do Thomas Jefferson, Agatha Christie, Pope John Paul II, and Princess Diana have in common? Well, these notable individuals and many others, past and present, share the habit of journaling. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda, the Relationship Doctor, and I've got some tips for you on the value of journaling. Whether you're just writing down a few thoughts or pouring out your heart on paper, journaling has some real benefits, like getting a handle on your emotions or a better understanding of other people or even organizing your priorities. Sometimes reading your older journal notes will help you appreciate the sweet little details of life you enjoyed, but maybe have forgotten. One of the best benefits of journaling comes when you look back and you see how the Lord has been there in all your circumstances, directing your steps and taking care of the things that matter to you. If you've not considered journaling before, give it a try and see which of those benefits journaling might bring your way.
1: Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz, too, and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. You're listening to The Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books. Her book, We Need to Talk, discusses how unhelpful the competitive style of conflict is in a relationship. Check out her book on her website, DrLindaMental.com, and follow her on Twitter at helps and other social media as well, So you can keep up with lots of interesting things to know about making relationships work. And Dr. Linda, in our remaining time, let's go over the key messages we want to give about competition. What should we be teaching and how can we keep it healthy?
0: So I think one we haven't talked about, Chris, is to help our children understand that, or maybe adults even, would Mm. be. this would be a good message. There's always someone better than you at everything. You can always find somebody better. And that's going to happen.
1: tough pill to swallow, too. It is. Mm -hmm. Well, those who enforce the rules can be mistaken or even biased, and conditions under which you have to operate can sometimes be bad.
0: So we had that. Do you remember with the Duke basketball team when we were talking about that on one of our shows? And the refs were terrible. But you know what? It was part of the game. The players had to deal with it, and they had to move on. So that's a good one. You can do your very best and still not succeed. That isn't unfair. It just is the way it is.
1: Just the facts. So you yeah. say to
0: your child, you know, that was your best. That was right. good. But you weren't number one.
1: People will cheat you and, and you will lose because sometimes someone isn't honest.
0: I hate that message, but it you is know. kind of the reality of life if you're going to prepare your children, right? Right. Here's another one. It's important. In fact, it's really essential to continue trying hard long after a success is no longer possible. Mm. Even if you weren't finished and you know you're not going to get there and you're not going to win, you got to finish that project. You got to keep going. Right. I think that's a great message.
1: Here's one. You never let down the people who have invested in you, teachers, coaches, parents, and later bosses, even though your motivation has long since dissipated. I
0: think it kind of mm. relates to the one we're just talking about. Just keep right. moving forward. Right. It's important to learn how to be a gracious loser. We talked about that as it is to be a humble winner. Mm. Do you see a lot of humble winners?
1: It's encouraging to see them.
0: I know. Yeah. And occasionally we see those in professional sports, but mm-hmm. a lot of times we hear a lot of bravado right. when they win.
1: A team is about something much larger than any one person. That's why they say that there's no I in team.
0: And that related to that, individuals don't succeed. Teams do. So especially right. if you're playing on a team sport.
1: Playing your role, whatever that is, is an honorable thing to do.
0: Yeah, we don't always like the positions we're given, do we? No. Or we don't like the role. You know, that reminds me of the Bible when it says, you know, we're all part of the body. Right. And there are heads and there are hands and there are feet. And who wants to be the stomach?
1: Not me, not me but
0: somebody has to be.
1: Well, there's worse things than the stomach. <laughs> That's true. That's true.
0: Let's not digress right. there, Chris. Okay. What's another one that you've got?
1: Intense physical activity is good for almost Anything that ails us. Yeah.
0: So just get out and get Mm -hmm. into the competition. Kids love the feeling of that endorphin-laced thrill of exertion. And if they keep doing it, they're going to adopt a healthy lifestyle in the process.
1: Right. And sharing a goal is not the same as sharing success. The camaraderie of team comes from the former, not the latter.
0: That's one of the things kids talk about. I just liked being with the other kids out there. And right. then, of course, the pizza afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, one small mistake in an otherwise flawless performance can be the difference between winning and losing. Boy, that's a hard one because yeah. you can look back at your performance and you can go, oh, it was like a tenth of a point. Or, right. in a, I'm thinking of music competitions that mm. I was in all the time. One bad note and I didn't win. But I wow. had to deal with that. I had to learn that.
1: Had to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That teaches character as well. It does. Practicing anything will make you better, more confident, and perhaps at some point lead to success. But you practice to become better and more confident.
0: That's that whole book by Malcolm hmm. Gladwell, where he talks about 10,000 hours where you've got to practice, practice, practice. And he hmm. uses all kinds of examples like the Michael Jordans of the world.
1: Right. Outcome cannot be controlled, only process and effort.
0: That's right. So what you're doing in there is the part you control and mm-hmm. failure to win. Is not failing. Teams improve, players improve, and that is success. You can play a great game, and someone else can just play better failing to win can be just maybe the luck of the draw that day.
1: Right. And based on the way these kids have been talking in this program, we'll still have pizza afterwards. That's right. right. We For pizza. We always bring a biblical message related to our topic. And as we near the end of the show, can you think of an example of competition in the Bible and how Jesus dealt with it?
0: Well, the the one that comes to mind is the one in Luke 9, 46 and 48, where there was an argument that was started among the disciples. Remember when they asked which Mm. one of them would be the greatest? (laughs) That sounds rather competitive (laughs) to me. And Jesus, of course, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, all who is the greatest? What Jesus is talking about there is humility. And then Philippians 3-4 says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit; rather, in humility, there's that humility again. Mm. Value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others." And then in Galatians six, three, four it says, "If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves." Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. So in my other church, Chris, before we moved here to where we live now, we used to sing the doxology at the end of the service. And one of the things it says in that doxology that we would sing is, that we should do everything in the name of the Lord. And this is getting at the motivation of the heart. So one of the things we want to remind you is that competition is healthy. It's a good thing for all of us. But again, our motive, our heart, if we can be humble, if we can do it for the glory of God, that's the best way to do anything is to represent Christ well in whatever we do. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our social media director, Kelby Kymig, our engineer and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation from all of us here at Faith Radio. We'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here. We're doing life together. And it's better when you don't have to do it alone.